Good mornings, I'm Chris Oaks, and coming up today, COVID closures have reared their ugly head again. The Findlay City Schools have extended the Martin Luther King holiday break due to staff shortages and student absenteeism. But will that be enough? We'll speak with Superintendent Troy Raw. Also this morning, two-thirds of Americans are rethinking their career choice, with half considering leaving their job this year. As the Great Resignation marches on, we have three steps to make a meaningful change a little less daunting. In our weekend basketball preview, the Trojans have been on quite a run over the past month. Can they keep it going? And we have more delicious and easy-to-make recipes from Kyra's Kitchen. This is the Good Mornings Podcast Edition. For Friday, January 14th, 2022. Today is Caesarean Section Day. Uh, Also, it is the Feast of the Ass, it says. Now, before you get all excited about that, when I say, what did he say? The Feast of the Ass? What is that? It is actually a Christian feast uh, that was primarily, it's not so much celebrated today, Uh, Centuries ago, though, it was a very popular Christian feast celebrating all of the donkeys in the Bible, and especially the one that was believed to have brought Jesus and his family into Egypt after Jesus' birth, which is why it is when it is. So, the Feast of the Ass today. (laughs) So, walk up to somebody today, just random people on the street, and say, happy feast of the ass today. <laughs> See what their reaction is. And then you can lay lay it on them, the actual ex- explanation. Uh, right before they punch you, you can say, wait a minute, wait a minute. There's a reason. For this. International Kite Day, which I think is kind of interesting. I don't think about going out and flying a kite today. But uh, that's what it is. National Dress Up Your Pet Day, if your pet is amenable to that. National Hot Pastrami Sandwich Day, National Organize Your Home Day, it is Ratification Day, and Take a Missionary to Lunch Day today. So, reasons to celebrate today. I mentioned uh, one of the uh, stories we're going to be talking about a little bit later on uh, on the uh, program this morning is the uh, Great Resignation. Uh, Two-thirds of Americans rethinking their career choice and half are considering leaving their job this year. Um, But your boss is going to try and do what he or she can to keep that from happening. Uh, With the great resignation and the tight labor market, a new survey finds that employers are planning to give out bigger pay raises in 2022 than initially believed. This is a survey by professional services firm Willis Towers Watson of just over 1,000 U.S. companies revealed that nearly one-third, 32%, had increased their original salary increase projections from this past summer. They already figured that they were going to have to up pay in order to get people to stay, and it turns out they're upping the pay even more. They had initially planned to give employees a 3% raise on average. Now that is increased to 3.4%. By comparison, people working at the companies that were surveyed got an average 2.8% salary increase in 2021. And even though this applies to people across all levels of employment, from executives right down to the those who do the manual labor, Uh, It also is expected across all employee categories or all work categories, but the largest raises, according to the survey, will be in the retail and wholesale trade, life and health insurance, finance, energy, and industrial manufacturing. So, uh, there is... They're trying to hold on to, uh, to workers. Um... Travel. This is kind of interesting, a story uh, that I saw on the uh, Newswire. Coming out of the pandemic year of 2020, many people were eager, eager to travel last year. And now that we are into 2022, and we're in the middle of another worldwide COVID surge again, driven by the Omicron variant, it appears that is not dampening people's enthusiasm for traveling 
TripAdvisor published its Travel in 2022 predictions report earlier this week. Based on its own search data and surveys in the U.S. and other countries around the world, and compared its uh, predictions for this year with what happened in 2019 before COVID happened. And what they found is that planned travel in 2022 is higher than actual travel in the year before the pandemic in 2019. So we are really ready to get out. If we were ready to get out and travel last year, we are really ready this year. The report found that 71% of Americans plan to travel for leisure this year. That is up 8%, 8% higher from 2019. 68% plan to travel domestically. 29% plan to travel internationally. Um, but while people are not letting COVID stop them from traveling it is a factor about 70 uh about 70 percent of respondents surveyed saying they are considering places with low covid numbers when planning their trips and uh, also in a possible pandemic effect 41 percent of americans surveyed said planning a trip to somewhere they've never been to before is more important to them now than when uh they were traveling pre-pandemic so that is a factor uh as well by the way, if you're if your spouse is uh, is traveling, if they're out of the house, maybe they're have a business trip or or something like that, or maybe I don't know, some couples travel separately. Um, so if your spouse is out of the house, what is the first thing that you do? A new survey conducted by one poll on behalf of Ring asked two thousand married homeowners. What they do when their spouse is gone. The number one thing, two-thirds say they binge TV shows or movies that their spouse doesn't like. <laughs> That's the first thing that they do. <laughs> I have to admit, I have done this. And my wife has a, has a girl's weekend. I'm binging the stuff, all of the stuff that she doesn't like. <laughs> and I'm sure vice versa as well. Uh, about 34%, number two, uh, about 34% admitted to making food that their spouse uh, isn't fond of when they're gone. So, that's, and again, I've done that. Uh, there are certain places that, uh, it's not like I cook or anything, but there are certain places that uh, that we just don't go, uh, certain restaurants and, and certain types of foods. You know, my wife doesn't, I like, but my wife doesn't. So when she's out, like a girl's weekend, I'll binge all of the TV shows and movies that she doesn't like, and I'll <laughs> order from the restaurants that she doesn't like to go. So I I think that's pretty pretty accurate. It's a non-scientific poll, but I think that's pretty accurate there. By the way, speaking of uh, travel, when you are traveling, of course, you will have to wear a face mask at airports and onboard airplanes still. And here's something that may make that a little bit more bearable. Wearing a face mask might actually make you appear more attractive. More attractive. Researchers at Cardiff University in the UK measured how different types of face masks changed the attractiveness of different faces and different face facial types. They also found that the type of mask makes a difference. Blue medical masks were found to increase in attractiveness the most. <laughs> you do realize that just because you're wearing a surgical mask doesn't mean you're a surgeon. <laughs> if you're looking to nab a doctor... Uh, just wearing if but apparently wearing a surgical face mask a medical mask uh gives you that air of dignity i guess um dr michael lewis who is uh, one of the researchers and an expert in the psychology of faces says our study suggests that faces are considered most attractive when covered by medical face masks this may be because we're used to healthcare workers wearing blue masks and now we associate these with people in caring professions at a time when we feel vulnerable, we may find the wearing of medical masks reassuring. And so we feel more positive towards the wearer. Uh, they also found that faces were considered more attractive when covered by cloth masks than when not covered at all. <laughs> I don't know what that says about people's attractiveness. Uh, if, if you're more attractive when your face is covered than <laughs> when it's uncovered, I'm not sure what that says. I mean, think about that. It was a, anyway. <clears throat> Speaking of uh, COVID-19, 
If a new device comes to market, a little wearable pin could someday alert you if you have been exposed. Crystal Pollitt is an assistant professor of epidemiology and chemical engineering. She and her colleagues at the Yale School of Engineering have come up with a gadget which turns colors when exposure to COVID-19 is detected, uh, when airborne exposure to the virus is detected. It's kind of like uh, radiation badges that have been around for a long time. This is uh, with the COVID-19 virus. Uh, here's, the, <laughs> here's the thing. By the time they bring this to market, uh, pandemic will probably be over. That's, I mean, I would hope anyway, but, uh, you know, it's just kind of weird. But they say it is a tremendous breakthrough. We'll see. And lastly, among the first things you need to know this morning, the most buzzworthy stories of the day, and I love this, people are once again really into their vinyl. Uh, MRC data has been tracking music sales data since 1991, and their latest report shows that sales of vinyl records jumped another 50.4% in 2021. And that's on top of the fact that vinyl uh, has been really trendy for a number of years. But last year, another big jump in the sales of vinyl. Up more than 50%, 41.7 million units sold. Making it the first time in MRC's tracking history that sales of vinyl albums outpaced that of CDs. Now, did we say I, I actually was surprised by that because I thought that that was the same story that we had last year that vinyl outpaced CDs, but it is for sure now, um, though vinyl has been making a comeback over the past decade, the increase in popularity over the past year, they say can be attributed to a variety of factors, including nostalgia, uh, consumers wanting to more tangibly support their favorite artist as live music venues have been shuttered during the pandemic. And the artists make a lot more money when you actually buy the music as opposed to when you stream it. They get paid for streaming, but it's only like a fraction of a penny for every stream. So they don't make a whole lot of money from streaming. Uh, they really make more money when you buy the music. And um, one album in particular drove the sales of vinyl in 2021. The number one album physical album of vinyl album of the year Adele's 30 which sold 108,000 vinyl albums in its first week the second biggest vinyl sales week of an album since 1991 so kind of cool there so there you go some of the uh, most interesting and buzzworthy stories to get your Friday morning started WFIN News, I'm Matt Demchek. Your WTOL 11 weather, partly to mostly cloudy today with a high of 33, partly cloudy tonight, a low of 14. Finley City Schools has canceled classes for today and Tuesday. Monday is already a scheduled day off for students and staff to observe Martin Luther King Jr. Day. The canceled classes are the result of staffing shortages and absenteeism due to COVID. The school district says buildings will be thoroughly sanitized while they're closed. Extracurricular activities will continue as scheduled. Get more on our website. The Finley City Planning Commission has tabled its decision on whether to approve Kroger's plans to add a fueling station to its location on 6th Street. Matt Cordonier is director of the Hancock Regional Planning Commission. Entering the meeting, I was doubtful that it would get approval. Uh, with the potential changes that Kroger is making, I do see a path forward where it could get approved. Among the changes to the plan that Kroger is proposing would be to center the pedestrian entrance to the store on the west side of the store under the Kroger sign. That would remove the pedestrian entrance from near 6th Street and eliminate some of the congestion caused by cars waiting for people entering and leaving the store. Get more on the proposal and the changes to it on our website. An Ohio lawmaker is facing backlash for a controversial tweet comparing vaccine mandates to the Holocaust. Congressman Warren Davidson compared Washington, D.C.'s vaccine and COVID protocols to those of Nazi Germany. The Anti-Defamation League responded by saying, in part, that the congressman's comparison of the vaccine mandates to the, quote, systemic extermination of six million Jews by the Nazis is beyond repugnant, end quote. Since then, Warren has offered his apologies, saying his Jewish friends explained to him that his comments minimized the horrors of the Holocaust. 
Daniel Barnett, ONN News. Wreaths Across America Pickup Day is on Saturday. In December, volunteers placed wreaths at the graves of 1,200 veterans at Finley's Maple Grove Cemetery. And now volunteers are needed to help pick up those wreaths. Anyone who would like to help out should meet at the cemetery at 9 a.m. Saturday. Learn more about Wreaths Across America and see video from local events on our website. And get more news online anytime at WFIN.com. And now our cover story this morning. Up to now in this academic year, area schools have been able to manage the surge in COVID cases at least well enough to keep the doors open and keep kids in class. But this week, the Findlay City Schools reached the tipping point and they have canceled classes through Wednesday of next week. Superintendent Troy Roth is with us this morning. Ms. Roth, take us kind of through a timeline of how you arrived at the decision to cancel classes. At what point did it become obvious that you were likely going to have to take this step? Sure. Good morning, Chris. Uh, you know, our process is that uh, pretty much 24 hours a day, we are monitoring uh, our, our numbers. We're looking at staffing. You know, we're, we're seeing how many bus drivers are out. We're seeing how many food services potentially could be out. Uh, we, we, we are doing this constantly. Uh, we have been doing that, you know, since day one of COVID. Uh, and, you know, as we return from break, we're seeing, you know, our numbers of staffing issues, our inability to cover classrooms with substitutes, our inability to uh, provide all our bus routes uh, in a timely fashion. And then this week, uh, we saw a number of uh, absences in food service. Uh, so uh, we made a decision uh Wednesday night, we, we, we met with our administrative team, and I made a decision Wednesday morning that uh, our best option, uh, or I made a decision Thursday morning that our best option was to uh, temporarily close and shut down uh, over this holiday weekend, uh, and with hopes that, uh, you know, a number of students and staff can can return to us healthy on Wednesday. So this was primarily an issue of available staffing. I know absenteeism has been a concern, but this was uh, primarily a staffing issue. Is that why you opted to cancel classes entirely as opposed to having a couple of remote learning days? Yeah, the the number one issue is staffing, like I said. Uh, And staffing has been an issue uh, well before COVID as far as substitute teachers, uh, bus drivers. Uh, This is a nationwide problem, and and we've talked about it before, Chris. So uh, it's just been magnified with COVID. Uh, So, you know, we we utilized the holiday weekend. uh, So basically our kids are basically missing just over a day and a half of instruction. Mm -hmm. Uh, And with this being exam week for high school students, uh, we didn't want to put any more responsibilities on those students who are preparing for exams to go remote. Uh, potentially, if it was longer than a day and a half, uh, we would look at some remote options. But with this just being a day and a half and utilizing the Martin Luther King holiday, uh, yeah. we thought this was the best route. Uh, which you mentioned uh, exams in that letter to students and parents. Uh, you indicated that further information would be coming regarding the semester exam schedule at the high school. When will that be available? Oh, that, that has been sent out to our okay. high school students. Uh, we're just pushing back Friday's exam schedule will be held on Wednesday. Okay, so simple as that. Um, you mentioned the fact that this is uh, been a round the clock thing. You've been monitoring this and uh, taking this day by day, really since the beginning of school. How challenging uh, is that from an administrative standpoint to to really not know, uh, you know, what your status is from one day to the next like this? You know, it's been extremely challenging, Chris. I'll give you one example. Uh, this past Sunday, uh, we were very. A challenge to uh, cover classrooms with substitute teachers, I believe, and I don't have the data in front of me, but I believe at one point we had 29 unfilled classrooms, uh, and it was really hitting our elementaries hard. We spent about eight hours Sunday, uh, some of us in the office, some of us on Zoom, uh, communicating with our principals and teachers to, to just to make sure we could open on Monday and have coverage. Uh, that's just one example. And then, you know, every day with bus drivers, uh, I don't know until uh, approximately 545 if I have enough bus drivers to run routes. Mm. And in a perfect world, we try to make a decision on school closures by 530. Um, yeah. So, you know, there's that timing aspect. So it, it's pretty much around the clock that uh, 
between myself, the assistant superintendent, Krista Kreitz-Miller, and a number of other administrators that we are, we are monitoring all our staffing situations. Now, to clarify, as you were mentioning earlier, we're actually only talking about a couple of days of missed school, but do you really do you really believe that these five days between now and Wednesday of next week will be enough? Um, and and what will you be doing between now and then to ensure that it is enough? Well, we truly hope so. You know, one of the things is you know those students and staff who are out on quarantines, uh, they will be able to serve their their quarantine through this period without missing more work or without missing more school. Mm-hmm. Uh, the two days will also allow our custodial staff to get into every classroom and provide a more thorough cleaning. Uh, that's hard to do when you have students and staff in the buildings. Right. Uh, so, you know, we're emphasizing uh, with our custodial staff on, on Friday today and on, on Tuesday, uh, you know, to extensively clean classrooms uh, and make sure that uh, when uh, our students and staff come back, they, they, there's a noticeable difference. And I don't want to engage in hypotheticals, but I'm sure that you have to at least consider the possibility that what if it isn't enough, that maybe this closure will have to be extended. Uh, It would be uh, irresponsible to say that we're going to be back on Wednesday no matter what. So what if it isn't enough? Absolutely, absolutely. The plan is is to return on Wednesday if, uh, you know, we'll monitor our our numbers throughout the week uh, up until t- late Tuesday night. And, you know, if we do have to make a decision to postpone another day, we could do that. And then we could look at also returning to a possibility of some remote options for our students. That was going to be the uh, question that I had. It, it, if the closure does have to be extended, at what point do you, do you say, uh, we don't want to burn more calamity days, we'll return to the remote learning model? And when would that decision have to be made? Yeah, like I said, we generally make are making those decisions day to day. Uh, you know, our staff would probably need a day to prepare to to go to the remote options. But uh, you know, a few years ago, the state went to uh, minimum hours, so we're no longer really operating under the old. You know, after five calamity days, you right, have to make right. up uh, days. We're on hours. Uh, we are well over uh, the minimum hours, uh, so. You know, we have some wiggle room to play with, uh, but, uh, you know, if this continues, we, we will continue our conversations with our administrative team and our, and our teachers on to, you know, when when and if we have to go to a, a remote option. And, of course, we will continue to follow this uh, as that develops. And, uh, obviously, this brings up uh, the other question, does this change the stance at all regarding masking requirements in schools? That's something that... Uh, I know you have resisted all year, and, and you're not the only one. All of the uh, local districts have, have kind of taken a similar track of making that optional, despite the state encouraging schools to readopt a mask requirement. Does this kind of make you rethink that at all? Uh, we rethink everything we do, Chris. Uh, uh, we make decisions, and then we, you, you know, we evaluate, did we make the right decision? Uh, you mentioned uh, masks are optional. We are strongly recommending students, staff, and visitors uh, to our facilities, uh, wear a mask and, and follow, you know, all the CDC guidelines as far as proper hygiene, social distancing uh, when feasible. But uh, as you mentioned, all Hancock County schools, I believe at this time, uh, masks are optional. But uh, we continue to evaluate every decision we make and we look at all the data and uh, make decisions moving forward. But for now, there are no changes in that policy. Not as of 718 on <laughs> Friday morning. <laughs> Fair enough. Again, uh, Superintendent Troy Roth this morning, uh, Finley City Schools uh, being closed today. Of course, off already on Monday and then closed on Tuesday as well. Here's uh, hoping that uh, we get everything back to normal on Wednesday. Troy, thanks very much for taking the time. We appreciate it. Thank you, Chris. Many experts agree that the great resignation that took hold last year and rocked the job market likely is not over yet. After two years of living through a pandemic, people around the world have kind of reevaluated and decided to make some drastic life changes in search of a more meaningful career. So if you're thinking about taking the leap yourself, career expert and founder of My Mentor Circle, Ariane Hunter, has three steps to making a meaningful career change. Ariane, let me start with the basic question. Why is it, do you think, that so many people uh, want to make these big career changes 
uh, right now. I mean, I understand maybe it's a little less scary given what we've already been through, but it's a big, big risk still, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we are in uncharted territory, unprecedented times right now. The last two years, especially in this pandemic, has been especially difficult for, for many of us. Um, so we've even seen, you know, high levels of burnout, mental and emotional drain, um, even before, before the pandemic. So this, is, this time right now is really affording us this opportunity to really reflect and reassess and reevaluate um, what are our new goals? What are some of the changes that we want to see? Um, there's no more going back to, to normal. And I think people are really starting to consider what's going to make me happy. You know, so is it you know, greater flexibility in my career? Is it starting that new business that I've always you know, wanted to try? Do I want to negotiate a pay raise? So for a lot of us, we're thinking about, uh, we're craving actually, um, creating some meaningful change within our careers. So it's, it's top of mind for a lot of folks out there. So what, should, what questions should we be asking ourselves when we are thinking about it? And, and it's interesting, this study uh, finds one in three workers, one in three considering leaving their jobs, 60% say they are rethinking their career, only 7% say that they are in their dream career right now. So when we're considering all of this, where do you start when thinking about making a big life change like this? Well, first I want to normalize change can be especially difficult for any of us. <laughs> Whether you're making a career change or a life change, um, sometimes change can be difficult. Um, so I really want to just normalize that. Um, but also at the same time, um, making this type of change can be one of the most powerful things that you can do for yourself, right? So thinking about, you know, getting clear on what does that change look like for you? Perhaps it is starting that new business. Perhaps it is negotiating a pay raise, right? So really getting clear, what does that look like for me? Um, and keeping in mind, you know, surrounding yourself with inspiration, ideas, uh, people, like-minded people that are going to support you along, along the way. And it also requires a healthy dose of organization and planning. So planning out, you know, taking the leap or making any sort of change is really, really crucial um, to ensuring your success in that. So there's so many ways that we can stay organized. There's resources and tools out there. Um, but one of my favorites is Evernote. So Evernote is a productivity app that I've been using many times throughout my career and has saved me on many occasions as well. Um, but what I love about this uh, particular app is that it allows you to capture any notes or inspiration or ideas. So say, for example, you are negotiating a pay raise at your current, uh, your current role. So you can use the notes feature on this app to really capture what were your career accomplishments. These are going to come in really handy when it comes time to having that conversation with your manager. Um, also setting new goals and intentions, right? So 12 days into this brand spanking new year that we're in, 2022. So we're thinking about what are some new goals that we want to set for ourselves. This is something that I personally um, do every single year in setting new goals and intentions for my career, right? So something about actually writing it down right. um, helps to solidify it and makes it more concrete when, um, when you're kind of jotting out what is the thing that I want to focus on for this year. So those are some of the things that I would, I would keep in mind. So when we are ready to take the leap, say we you know, have considered all of these things, considered all the options, really uh, done this deep dive and, and this uh, inward look, when we're ready to yeah. take the leap, what then, as we mentioned, you have three steps to making a meaningful career change, kind of uh, encapsulate this for us. What are your uh, three tips? Yeah. So once you're getting clear on what is the change that you want to make, so what are those things that will really get you into action? And the first tip I would recommend is setting a date, right? So whether your goal is to change, change jobs or negotiate your salary or start a new business, having a realistic time frame to work with, whether it's six months from now, a year from now, um, helps you to stay on course towards meeting that goal. The second thing I would recommend goes back to what I was mentioning earlier around organization and planning. Mm -hmm. So, again, thinking about, you know, what is your productivity tool of choice, a planner, you know, a productivity app, right? Thinking about what are some weekly goals that you want to set for yourself. I personally recommend no more than three to five a week. This helps to reduce um, overwhelm, right, and to keep things simple. So every week, jotting down, what are your goals and intentions for this week, right? So taking those small incremental steps often adds up to that bigger picture. 
Um, and lastly, I would say enlisting help, right? So a lot of us t- turn, tend to go at it alone, right? So tend to figure, it, figure things out um, on your own, and that's one way to do it. Um, but I guarantee you there's a better way, there's a more um, easier way to do it, and that is surrounding yourself with like-minded people that can motivate you and support you along the way. So whether that's working with a coach, working with a mentor, joining new community groups, or tapping into your network, um, making sure that you have the people around you that's, that's going to, again, help you stay accountable and help you stay motivated, especially on the, those days where you feel a little bit derailed. It happens to the best of us. Um, but having someone to lean on a support system to support you along the way um, really comes in handy and especially helpful. Again, career expert and uh, the founder of My Mentors Circle, Ariane Hunter, with us this morning talking about navigating this new normal and this mindset that many of us have uh, amid the great resignation, as uh, it's been called. Where do we get more information? Check out Evernote. It's one of my favorite um, apps. You can go to their website at evernote.com. There's a free download in it for you if you go to visit their site. Um, also, to learn a little bit more about me, my background, my work as a coach and a mentor, you can visit me at arianhunter.com. We'll link it up on our webpage. Arian, thanks very much for uh, taking the time, giving us a lot to think about here this morning. Amazing. It was my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Take care. It is time to tip off another weekend of high school hoops action. And the Trojans enter the weekend on a seven-game winning streak over the course of the past month, but they will face a very tough test this evening against a Lima senior team that is undefeated in Three Rivers Athletic Conference play and team that has already knocked off the Trojans once. Assistant coach Ray Alban spoke with John Marshall about the winning streak and the challenge ahead on this week's Coach's Corner. The last few weeks have gone really quite well. Mm-hmm. Last Friday, you went up to Fremont to meet Ross in their brand new gym and came away with a comfortable win, 63-48. Your yes. young men came <laughs> ready to play, yeah. making some really good defensive plays during that stretch and turning them into transition baskets late in the first and into the second as you really started to pull away. Uh, what are your thoughts on the win over one of the big rivals for Finley? Well, it, it's something that that may may not be known by a lot of people is uh, our guys are, are uh, grew up kind of in that area of the Roth boys, and they play AAU. I think Jake plays up that way, and Javante. Anyway, they know those guys, and they know them from football. And they're pretty good athletes, and they showed that you know during the football season. Luckily, uh, we had a good night against them here at Donnell Stadium, and. And, and whoop them so they know that they know that they know the guys so they were going to be up for that game and they know how dangerous they were uh but yeah when uh, when the going got tough i think max kind of took over and i think he got three steals in a row to turn into transition layups and really uh pumped us up and got the energy going and uh you know we were pretty good from there we shoot the ball pretty well and uh we're glad to see the purple pit gone <laughs> so then saturday you were home against Division Three Ottawa Glandorf. The Titans always bring it. Yep. You eked yep. out a 64-61 win. Quite a nail-biter and a very good team. Yeah. Uh, they, yeah. They're a really good team. They're not going to lose very many this year, and that includes postseason. Uh, yeah, they're, they're, they're very good. They're, they're smart. They played very hard, and, you know, they live, they live for basketball. And we were fortunate we had a pretty good night and did some things down the stretch in the overtime to, uh, to hold on to the win. Then last night you played a Three Rivers Athletic Conference mm-hmm. game at home. St. Francis cruised to a 69-33 win against the Knights. In a game like that, are you able to work on some things in a real game situation that maybe you don't get into? Uh, you're not able to do it quite uh, the same way in practice. Maybe changing up personnel, trying out a new play or a new set, or do you want to keep those things in your pocket so that they don't get out on video? No, no, you know we we really don't worry about that. We we're worried about not coming away with the win. Strangely enough, so uh, I think coach stays pretty focused and keeps us pretty focused. We may we may highlight a few sets uh, on offense that we feel will work against uh, against their defense. And we knew that they were probably going. We knew that they would at least start in zone because they played zone all year. So we spent a lot of time uh, going over three or four zone plays, 
and uh, we were ready for man-to-man if they ever went to that, but they never did. So I think we were pretty well prepared. Yeah, we, we're, not, we're not hiding anything or we're not doing anything uh, different except uh, if it takes something different to, to beat their defense. The Trojans 8-3 and three overall, 4-3 and three in the track. You start the second half of the season coming up Friday against a Lima senior team that you lost 2-14 by 14 yep. in early December. Your team has really grown a lot since then, but undoubtedly so have they. What will it take to turn the tables on them when they come to Finley? Well, if you recall, early in that fourth quarter, we actually were leading. And I think if we're in the same position again Friday night, uh, we'll be a lot different down the stretch. I think we're making uh, better decisions. We're we're playing together well. We have a little bit of a a team identity. uh, And I think we'll, we'll... will execute a little better than we did i think you know being that early in the season and remember the early even earlier for the football guys uh when when we did get down we kind of uh i don't know i don't want maybe we panicked a bit or you know tried to get a four point lead back in one shot and you know it doesn't work that way you got to be patient and execute uh possession by possession and get stop by stop so you know we've obviously we've seen them and and i think uh we'll be ready for some things that they do and see how it goes saturday off but you get back to it on monday at rossford as part of the martin luther mm-hmm. king jr day event right where you'll face sylvania southview right what do you know about the cougars uh i think coach has seen them once and i know i've seen them once in person and uh well they're they're a dangerous team i mean they've got uh, a couple of those players that made a good tournament run uh two years ago when they were sophomores and made it to the district finals and put saint francis out uh, and St. Francis had a nice team that year. So, uh, you know, with seniors like that, they're going to be dangerous. they got a good, a good big guy in there, and they've got a good perimeter guard that handled the ball for them back then. So, you know, they're dangerous. They've got a few athletes, and uh, we just can't let them get going. Again, Findlay assistant coach Ray Elbin on the court coach's corner earlier this week. Trojans and the Spartans tonight, Findlay and Southview Monday evening on WFIN. Other games this weekend on our family of stations, Riverdale at Van Buren in BVC action on 100.5 WKXA. And Ottawa Glendorf is at Bath tonight, and then they host Lima Senior tomorrow over on 106.3 The Fox. And you can follow all of the area games in real time online at the WFIN scoreboard page powered by ScoreStream and presented by Owens Community College. That's at WFIN.com slash scoreboard. Also linked up at our webpage, goodmornings.net. And, of course, catch the Coach's Corner with John Marshall Wednesday nights at 6 p.m. live from Ralphie's or anytime on demand at WFIN.com. We interrupt this program to bring you a broken news alert. Today's update on the odd and unusual side of the news brought to you as a public service, more or less, of Hancock County Veterans Services. Now, I am all for the Second Amendment. I believe that the constitutional, uh, the, the Constitution says that Americans have the right to arm themselves, whether it's for self-defense, for sporting purposes, uh, just for leisure, you know, whatever. And uh, I understand the pushback on gun control measures. Uh, I, I get it. All of that being said, some there are some cases where people just really should not handle guns. <laughs> Police in Pierce County, Washington responded to a fast food parking lot on January 8th. So this was this past uh, Saturday. Found a man with a gunshot wound to his leg. When officers arrived, the man told them that someone had approached him and shot him, and he didn't know why. Upon further investigation, however, deputies came to believe that the man may have accidentally shot himself. After police noticed noticed spent shell casings on the floorboard of his car, (laughs) the, the man admitted that he had shot himself and told deputies where they could find the gun that he used. He was transported to the uh, hospital for treatment of his wounds. Uh, No word on how he ended up shooting himself. (laughs) Uh, And no word as to whether there will be any uh, charges filed, but uh, he is going to recover and hopefully (laughs) handle his guns better in the future. Weird. 
Uh, here's a, a story that proves that not all dumb criminals are in the United States. From the international file, a thief in India got caught red-handed after he got hungry and decided to cook himself a meal in the middle of a burglary. <laughs> well, you work up an appetite and you work hard breaking into homes and everything. You have a tendency to, to work up an appetite. According to uh, news reports, the robber broke into a home while the owners were away. Uh, he got caught because the commotion from the kitchen while making his feast tipped off neighbors who found him and handed him over to authorities. <laughs> the police department later poked fun at the incident, writing on Twitter, the curious case of a serial burglar, uh, burglar, serial, uh, as in Frosted Flakes cereal, not cereal as in you get it. Uh, despite its many health benefits, turns out cooking uh, cooking food during a, a burglary attempt can be injurious to your well-being. The burglar has been arrested, and uh, now the uh, Department of Corrections is serving him some hot meals. <laughs> oh, man, you know, when you work up an appetite, you gotta... Now, this uh, is really interesting. The NFL playoffs are coming up uh, here this weekend, beginning this weekend. And uh, with the uh, countdown to, what is it, Super Bowl 56 this year, uh, of course, uh, every brand associated with the NFL wants to, you know, get in on the action, uh, the promotional possibilities and the marketing possibilities uh, surrounding the NFL playoffs. Frito-Lay has created a unique way for NFL fans to get more connected with their favorite teams. The chip company announced a contest in which winners, winners will get its Golden Grounds potato chips. Golden Grounds. So named because they are made from soil pulled directly from NFL stadiums across the country. You heard that right. They're making potato chips with the dirt from NFL stadiums around the country. <laughs> this is a bridge too far for me. I don't, I, I just, I'm not interested. Are you, The uh, campaign is part of Free Delay's Super Bowl advertising partnership to enter fans' need to follow Lay's on Twitter and check for special Golden Grounds sweepstakes tweets. <laughs> Are people really, I'm sure people will get into this. I'm sure that there will be people who will want that, but... You can have them. Not me. No, thank you. Uh, also from the international file, the broken news this morning, the landlords of a country pub in England have gone to extreme measures after they say a major refurbishment of their establishment brought out, brought out ghosts in the woodwork. <laughs> they remodeled the place and it brought the ghosts out of the woodwork quite, quite literally. Uh, landlords Kiersey Davoli and Darren Boudreaux say that they have seen some spooky things in the pub, as have, have customers, since they reopened after a massive renovation. Sightings of ghosts and spirits became so frequent that they hired spiritualists to perform an exorcism on the property and rid them of the ghosts. Just call the Ghostbusters. What do you. They posted about their ghostly issues on Facebook, and many. People com uh, commented with suggestions as to how to deal with the situation. Uh, no word if they have carried out the exorcism yet. <laughs> Who are you going to call? Ghostbusters! <laughs> and lastly, in the broken news this morning, from the file of Who Couldn't Have Seen This Coming, an after-school Satan club at an Illinois school is stirring up some controversy. Imagine that! After school, Satan Club. A group of protesters gathered yesterday across from Jane Addams Elementary School in Moline. Uh, by the way, and I'm just going to throw this out there. The word uh, Adams in Jane Addams Elementary School is spelled the same as the Adams family. I'm just going to throw that out there. But anyway, I don't know if that has anything to do with it, but it's just a coincidence. Uh, anyway, group of protesters gathered yesterday across from Jane Addams Elementary School in Moline during the first planned meeting of the Satan Club. 
The Moline Coal Valley School District faced backlash after a flyer inviting students to join the group surfaced on social media earlier this week. The after-school program is run by the Satanic Temple, which claims the club has nothing to do with teaching kids to worship the devil. The curriculum, they say, emphasizes the development of reasoning and social skills. Okay, but I don't think that's going to make it any more palatable to most people. There, <laughs> Again, who couldn't have seen that coming? Man, there's a protest about the Satan Club uh, after school? I can't imagine. How I'm So surprised. Shocked. Uh, that is today's broken news report. This update on the odd and unusual side of the news brought to you as a public service, more or less, of Hancock County Veterans Services. We now return you to your regularly scheduled programming. Westwood One has all the excitement of the super wildcard round of the NFL playoffs. On Saturday, it's the Raiders and the Bengals, followed by the Patriots and the Bills. Then a triple header on Sunday featuring the Eagles and Bucks, 49ers and Cowboys, and the Steelers and Chiefs. And then one final game on Monday night between the Cardinals and the Rams. From the wildcard round all the way to Super Bowl 56 in Los Angeles, the NFL playoffs are right here. Your sports authority, 1330 WFIN and 95.5 FM. And now your daily download this morning, the numbers behind the news and the statistics that shape our lives. It is well documented that the cost of a college education these days has just gone through the roof over the past uh, three or four decades. It has just skyrocketed to the point where I think we were mentioning the other day, the average uh, cost of a college education in many states is now uh, upwards of $100,000, six figures to send a kid to uh, to school. And there have been a lot of uh, proposals, a lot of discussion about what can be done to bring the cost of college uh, under control. Well, maybe what will finally bring those education costs down is that a lot fewer people will want to go. Maybe it's simply supply and demand. New data out yesterday from the National Student Clearinghouse shows a sharp drop in college enrollment in 2020 that continued into 2021 and wasn't just a one-year outlier caused by the first year of the pandemic. Because again, this has continued uh, into 2021. Uh, undergraduate enrollment in the fall of 2021 was down 3.1% from a year earlier, adding up to a total two-year decline of 6.6%. That, it may not seem like much, but that is the largest drop in enrollment over a two-year period in more than 50 years, in more than a half century. The biggest drop in 2021 was at four-year colleges and universities, according to the NSC's estimates. But community college enrollment has fallen the most since the pandemic began. So again, let me go, go back and reemphasize that. Biggest drop last year was at four-year colleges and universities, but community college enrollment has fallen the most in the two-year period since the pandemic began. And that drop is by more than 13%. Doug Shapiro, head of the Research Center at the National Student Clearinghouse, tells the Washington Post that with a lot of lower-skilled jobs available and wages rising, some young people are questioning the value of college. Um, and certainly that has been a trend, but the pandemic has made it easier to skip a year and then... If you get into one of those jobs that doesn't require a college education, you're making a decent living, why go back is kind of what a lot of students seem to be thinking. Uh, he also said, Mr. Shapiro said, uh, that while it might be tempting to work and earn good money now instead of going to college, it could affect future income if students don't upgrade their skills he also adds that a shortage of skilled workers is bad for the overall economy. With the declines now being seen for two years in a row, he said it could be building momentum as a cultural shift and not just a short-term effect of the pandemic disruptions. Uh, in other words, like everything else, the longer this goes on, the more difficult it will be to reverse the trend remains to be seen if that will in any way impact 
college costs if uh, universities and institutes of higher learning, community colleges, and the whole gamut will try and incentivize students to come back to class by uh, making it more affordable. But I guess, again, the old law of supply and demand, if fewer people want to go, that is one way of enticing students back, perhaps. We shall see. My wife, Kyra, has joined us in the studio this morning. Did you realize that more than half of Americans say their biggest kitchen struggles come from cooking the simplest dishes? Really? Yep. A survey of 2,000 adults looked at how much people mess up seemingly easy-to-make foods, and they found that 56% often botch the foods that most consider the easiest to make. Hmm. I'm sorry. <laughs> even though even though 7 in 10 in the survey confidently consider themselves natural-born cooks, 83% of those who mess up easy dishes confess it makes them feel like a failed chef. Huh. So don't feel that way. No. I get, this is the reason we bring this up, because if, uh, if that's you, yeah. then don't feel bad, because others are in the uh, same boat. Um, the hardest easy meal to make, according to the poll, pancakes. Oh, wow. 30. Well, I guess, yeah, you got to get the skillet just right, and and you, uh, yeah, you want to, you don't want to flip them too soon. Right. So, yeah, I, I could see that. 38% yeah. say they struggle to make a good batch of flapjacks. Yeah. Um, 36%. Now I'm going to have pancakes. <laughs> 36% <laughs> eggs. Eggs. Are tough to make. Yeah, those are tough, those especially are. if you want the the ones like you like the kind of runny ones. Yeah, I, over I easy. still can't perfect yeah. that. Yeah, uh, pasta uh, was cited by thirty five percent. Mashed potatoes thirty percent. Pasta, turn on a timer. There you go. And uh, sweet potatoes were cited by thirty percent as huh. uh, being tough to do. Uh, the survey was conducted... Microwave for the sweet potatoes. Survey was conducted <laughs> on behalf of Idahoan Foods, the maker of Honest Earth brand mashed sweet potatoes, found that more than a quarter of respondents believe that dinner is the most challenging meal to make. Yeah. Despite the, fight, despite the fact that pancakes are the toughest, pancakes and eggs are at yeah. the top, They people still say dinner is the most Dinners. challenging. Yeah. So... Uh, with that, we welcome in Kyra because it's her job to make... All of this very easy. <laughs> We've got uh, some easy to make and delicious recipes from Kyra's Kitchen once again this morning. And again, uh, recipes that are really good stick to your ribs winter type recipes. Winter, today. yep, yep. We begin with hearty Italian meatball stew. So, mm -mm 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 -mm. so for the meatball stew, you can make your own meatballs, uh, a half to a quarter cup of milk two to three slices of bread with the crust removed, one pound of ground beef, two large eggs, a half a cup of freshly grated Parmesan, two teaspoons of Italian seasoning, a half a teaspoon of salt, and two teaspoons of minced garlic. And then for the stew mixture, you're going to need one tablespoon of minced dried onion, one tablespoon of minced garlic, three red potatoes cubed, one can of crushed tomatoes, three-fourths cup of water, and two and salt and pepper to taste, and one teaspoon of Italian seasoning. So in a salt, small bowl, soak the bread and the milk for about five minutes. Um, while that is, is soaking, you can get your uh, meatballs ready, your ground beef, your egg, your Parmesan, your spices. Uh, gent gently mix that all together. Then you're going to take your bread, uh, kind of squeeze the milk out of that, add that to your beef, and um, and then mix that all together. Then make your meatballs. Um, form them into small bowls, uh, balls, place them on a cookie sheet, uh, bake in a preheated 350-degree oven for about 20 minutes or so. Um, uh, and if they don't seem like they're completely cooked, that's okay because they're going in the stew. They will finish up cooking in the stew. So place your garlic, your potatoes, your tomato puree, your water, your spices uh, in your crock pot. Mix, add 
mix all that all together, add your cooked meatballs, uh, gently stir, and then uh, cook on low for four to five hours or on high for two to three hours. And the other thing you can do with this, if you if you don't want to make your own meatballs, that's fine. Mm-hmm. Go get some meatballs from the store. Get yeah. your Italian meatballs or your yeah. whatever your favorite that, meatballs that are. That makes it even that easier. That makes it even yeah. easier. So yep. there you go. Yep. Again, our job is to take the challenge yep. out of dinner, which yes. is the toughest and meal to make. My big thing when I make meatballs mm-hmm. is I put them in the oven. I don't fry them up in a frying pan. Okay. I, I put them in the oven. It's oh. so much easier. All right. Okay. Yep. There you go. Little secret there. Yes. Uh, to go along with the hearty Italian meatball stew, we have urban cheese biscuit bites. Yes. So a half a cup of butter, one and a half teaspoons of dried parsley, one teaspoon of dried dill weed, a quarter cup of Parmesan cheese, and one can of refrigerated uh, buttermilk biscuits, Um, your Pillsbury buttermilk biscuits. Um, So place uh, butter in a nine-inch pie pan uh, and heat that in the oven. Um, or you can microwave if you have a glass pan, um, until melted. Um, and then for this, I use my iron skillet. So, um, stir in your, stir your herbs and your cheese, uh, blend that well, uh, cut your biscuits into quarters, uh, swish each piece in the melted mixture, uh, arrange the pieces in the pie pan or your iron skillet. Bake at 425 for about 12 minutes or until golden brown. Uh, let stand for a, mu- a few minutes to absorb the butter yeah. and herbs Get and enjoy. Absorbed. Yeah, yes. Mm. Soak in all of that uh, seasoning there. Yes. Again, here's another uh, example of where the uh, iron skillet comes in handy. Yep. And then for dessert, uh, we thank Bill Miller for his submission of yes. his cranberry pecan pie recipe. Yes. Thank you, Bill. Yes, and I did this for Christmas. Mm-hmm. So five cans of whole berry. Uh, cranberry sauce, uh, one teaspoon of cinnamon, uh, a half a cup of minute uh, tapioca. Quarter cup. Or I'm sorry, quarter Quarter cup. cup. Yeah. Quarter cup of minute tapioca or cornstarch, your choice, whichever one. Uh, Two cups of chopped pecans or pecan halves if you prefer. Uh, One egg or uh, spray oil, your olive oil. Um, or your grapeseed oil, whichever your preference is, um, a nine-inch graham cracker crust, and your whipped topping for your topping. Mm-hmm. So rinse and drain four of your cans of the cranberry sauce. Add the fourth can, not rinsed, and mix the cranberry sauce, the cornstarch, and the cinnamon all together. Pour that into your pie crust, smooth it down a little bit, uh, if you want extra cr- uh, crunchiness, you can add some grape nuts or some cr- uh, chopped pecans to that. Okay. If you would rather have the crunchiness, uh, cover top of pie with chopped pecans or your pecan halves, and then brush egg whites with pa- with a pastry brush or spray uh, liberally um, your oil over your pecans. Okay. Um, so spray your, spray your oil, um, olive oil, right. Um, on your pecans. Um, I did the egg whites. Um, I did not try the olive oil. So, uh, bake at 400 for about 25 to 30 minutes until golden brown, cool, and then chill. Um, which is optional <laughs> if you want to dig in. You want to, yeah, you go can right eat it ahead. warm, yeah. Yep. Uh, and serve with whipped topping. I served ours with ice cream. Oh, there you go. Yep. Yeah. So uh, thank you. Bill Miller uh, submitted that recipe, and it just sounded really yummy. Yes. And, of course, we had to try it out. Yes. And uh, got rave reviews. Yes. So that is, uh, that is a good one. Thank you, Bill, for uh, submitting that. So the recipes for the hearty Italian meatball stew, the herb and cheese biscuit bites, and the cranberry pecan pie from Bill uh, posted on our Facebook page, the WFIN Facebook page, and also linked up at goodmornings.net. And, again, if you have a recipe you want to share, or if you have something you've been looking for, uh, just uh, shoot it over to us uh, by email. You can email goodmornings at wfin.com, and we will happily pass that along. Yes. So after we've tried it. Yes. So, yeah. I like trying new recipes. <laughs> so uh, recipes from my uh, from uh, Kyra's Kitchen uh, here this morning. 
to finish up the week. My wife, Kyra, thanks very much. You're welcome. And that will finish up our podcast for today. A quick programming note, uh, no podcast on Monday for Martin Luther King Day. And Tuesday, taking a couple of extra days off uh, this coming week, we'll be back with an all-new podcast on Wednesday morning. We'll talk about new laws at both the federal and state level that are aimed at eliminating surprise medical bills. The Deputy Director of the Ohio Department of Insurance will join us to detail the information that patients need to know. So until Wednesday morning, that is Good Mornings for this morning. Now that you've had a good morning, go on out and make it a good day, a great weekend. We'll catch you back here next week.